Awesome. Good to be with you this morning, and everybody blessed? Good. Happy Mother's Day again to all the moms. Let's just give it up one more time for moms. They're awesome. And uh, my Mother's Day gift to you is that pretty much half of my message is totally directed at the guys. So that's my Mother's Day gift, so enjoy it. So men, get ready. Bringing you, bringing you some truth today. Pastor Dwayne's been uh, in a uh, series that I've just really been enjoying. Anybody else enjoying the Better Together Marriage series? It's been awesome. And he's been, uh, he's been sharing on marriage. And, you know, it's tough uh, to get, uh, to, to be speaking in the middle of a series that's ongoing and feel like you're gonna interrupt it. So I didn't wanna do that, so I felt led to share on marriage as well so that we can just continue on seamlessly. And I feel that, uh, that the Lord has given me some, some things to say. Uh, and uh, it's been awesome just to see the response and talking with people after the first two uh, services. And I believe that uh, this will be a blessing to you as well as you open up your heart for the Holy Spirit to minister to you. So let's pray, and then we're gonna get started. Father, we just thank you so much for your grace. We thank you that your grace truly is your ability in the middle of our inability, in the middle of the things we're unable to do. And Jesus, we look to you today, and we thank you for your speaking voice that's in this place by means of your Holy Spirit, leading and guiding us into all truth. We thank you that your word is truth, and we thank you for that word becoming active and alive in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen, amen. So we're gonna be talking today about Christ-centered marriage, Christ-centered marriage. And in Romans chapter eight, verse 29, we actually learn that God's will for our lives, uh, his, his predetermined plan, if you will, and God has a predetermined plan for a group of people that have called upon his name, the name of the Lord Jesus. And this predetermined plan for believers, raise your hand if you classify yourself as a believer today. Awesome, good. And this predetermined plan for you as a believer is for you to be conformed into his, Christ's image. That's God's predetermined plan for you in, in accordance with Romans 8, 29. And also, we read in Romans 8, 29 that Jesus is said to be the firstborn among many brothers, right? So let's go back to the previous slide here for just a second. I wanna make a statement to you today to start off our topic and that is that Christ is the pattern for our lives, right? Christ is the pattern for our lives. And we know that because of Romans 8, 29. God's will for us, his predetermined plan for us that have called upon his name is to be more and more conformed to the image of Jesus. Jesus is the pattern that God's given us. And I love that we read that he's the first in a long line of brothers and sisters. Jesus is the pattern son. We look to Jesus to see what it is to be a true human being living in true relationship with God. Everybody okay? All right. This is groundwork. So we're just laying a foundation. We're starting off on the shallow end and then we're gonna get deeper and deeper as we go. But I have to make this point in this case because if these scriptures are true, we're gonna look at a few, a few scriptures here. Galatians 2.20 says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. These are the apostle Paul's words. And again, Paul writes in Colossians chapter three, verse three, for you have died and the life that you live, you now live by faith in the son of God. And he says that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. 
If these things are true about our life no longer being ours, once we make a decision to follow Jesus, Jesus is our life. Jesus is living on the inside of us. How many of you know that marriage, if you're married, is a huge part of your life? Good. Thought I'd get a, a better witness on that, but that's okay. Marriage is a huge part of your life. And if you're here today and, and you're single or you were married at one time and you've walked through a divorce, whatever it might be, I'm here to tell you today that the things I'm saying are not just going to apply to you in your natural marriage, but there's a large piece that I'm gonna talk about today that's actually the marriage that you have between you as the church, the body of Christ, and Jesus as your husband. Right? And the things that Pastor Dwayne's sharing and I'm sharing over the course of this series apply to you in your singleness because this is good knowledge to have prior to marriage. Anybody wish that they could go back and listen to some of Pastor Dwayne's teaching on marriage before they got married? Right, don't raise your hand. You might get in trouble, all right? And the other piece of it is, is that if you have gone through a divorce, I don't believe that the Lord wills for you to live alone for the rest of your life. I believe that there's even reconciliation in some situations. I believe there's remarriage for, for some as they feel led of the Lord. And how many of you know that depending on what it was that went wrong, there might be some things we can learn from this series to not repeat some of those same mistakes. Amen. So no matter where we're at, this connects and it means something. So if it's true that as believers, our pattern now for living is Jesus, and if it's true that our life is hidden with Christ in God, then my question is, why do I see so many believers in the context of their marriage looking to Uncle Joe, Hollywood, and Cosmo Magazine? I meet people time and time again that say that they're believers, okay? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a Christian, right? And if you're in a relationship that we call marriage, if two believers that are Christian are in a marriage, are we okay to say that's a Christian marriage? We know people, we've met people that are Christian in name only. And I know some marriages that are Christian in name only, but it's because they're Christian in name only because the people in the marriage are Christian in name only. We have to move into this place of understanding that in every area of our life, especially concerning our marriage, because I don't know if you know this or not, but marriage was God's idea. Adam was in the garden and he wasn't lonely, contrary to popular belief. People say, well, God saw that Adam was lonely and he made Eve. Bible doesn't say that. Bible says that God saw Adam and said, it's not right for man to be alone. And he took Eve out of the inside of Adam. Adam wasn't lonely. He was in union. He was in a covenant marriage type relationship with the Lord, totally satisfied, totally content. It was out of God's goodness because no eye has seen nor mind can comprehend the good things that God has planned for those that love him. God wanted to bless Adam, so he gave him Eve. Guys, listen to me. If you got a wife, you got a blessing. And I see marriages failing time and time again, even by people that call themselves Christians. And what I have found is that in some way, shape, or form, they're getting advice and they're allowing these three things to speak into their marriage more than they allow the Lord Jesus Christ to speak into their marriage. If it's a Christian marriage, how many of you think Jesus should probably have something to say about it? So let's start with Uncle Joe. You guys know Uncle Joe? I couldn't bring Uncle Joe with me today, but you know who Uncle Joe is, all right? Uncle Joe is 
family that you go to to complain about your spouse to? It's Uncle Joe. I never liked that woman. I told you she was sneaky. Well, he's no good. I told you that before you married him. You guys know Uncle Joe? My question is, why do so many believers let Uncle Joe speak into their marriage when Uncle Joe's been married five times? I know people time and time again that they get in some kind of heated argument, they get into some blowout, and they run to Uncle Joe, and Uncle Joe feeds them poison. But because they're angry, because they're upset, because they're operating by means of the unholy spirit, I don't have time to teach that today, but because the enemy has an open door to their life, Uncle Joe speaking out of carnality ministers to their flesh. They go and they vent about their spouse. I've seen marriages poisoned because of what one spouse has put into the minds of their family members. Let me tell you something, church, when you go and you run and you tell family all the things that are wrong with your spouse, let alone unbelieving family, and then you go back home, and because where there's unity, there's a commanded blessing from the Lord, and because the anointing rests in your marriage covenant with your spouse, if you're in a Christian marriage, and you go back to that environment, how many of you know a moment of clarity is gonna hit you, and you're gonna realize about 50% of what you were fighting about was your fault anyway? And you guys are gonna reconcile in your marriage covenant, in the home that you live. Uncle Joe's not gonna see any of that. But next time you're at the family reunion, you wonder why Uncle Joe has a problem with your spouse. Because you've poisoned Uncle Joe's mind against your spouse. People run to the in-laws, they run to the friends, they run to the sewing circle, whoever it might be, to rag on their spouse, and then they wonder why that person has negative thoughts about their spouse. Guys, it's common sense here. And I've always thought, why are we going to talk to Uncle Joe unless we wanna know how to be divorced? I told you, Uncle Joe's been married five times. That's like talking to people that wanna have a million dollars to somebody that's never made a million dollars about how to make money. Not smart. That's like, that's like middle school and high school kids talking to each other about how to have healthy dating relationships. <laughs> Their friends are the authorities on the subject, aren't they? Their friends have been alive as long as they have. Don't laugh too quick because some of you talk to Uncle Joe all the time. And you wonder why your marriage isn't working out. Can I get an amen? amen? I don't need Uncle Joe to speak into my marriage. I need the Lord Jesus Christ to speak into my marriage. That's what I need. I need to go to the Lord. People go to Uncle Joe before they go to the great counselor of the Holy Spirit because Joe will minister to your carnality, Holy Spirit won't minister to your carnality. Hollywood, I know believers that are setting the precedent for what their marriage relationship is supposed to look like based on the shows that they watch and the movies that they engage in. Let me tell you something, ladies, listen to me. Your picture of what your marriage is supposed to look like is not the latest Nicholas Sparks book the choice, the chance, safe haven. Calvin Klein, Nicholas Sparks. All the Nicholas Sparks books to me remind me of the Calvin Klein fragrances. The choice, Calvin Klein, safe haven, Calvin. They need to just partner together and give you perfume with your, with your book. I'm telling you, there's people that I've talked to 
that say, well, if my husband acted more like, and they'll name some character from some book or some show. Let me tell you something. If your marriage is gonna have Hollywood level success, somebody in the marriage is an actor. I'm gonna tell you again, because you, you, you need to know this. If you want Hollywood level success in your marriage, and by the way, Hollywood level success isn't even success, then somebody in your relationship, if not both of you, are gonna have to be actors. And what a shallow existence to have. Cosmo Magazine. Here, here's the thing about it, guys. Can I be really honest with you? The church, for a long period of time, in certain camps and certain circles, has been afraid and embarrassed to talk about love, sex, and marriage. And because of that, the world has had no problem voicing their opinion. If you're in a Christian marriage, but you're consulting Cosmo Magazine about how to engage in deeper sexuality, there's a problem. We would submit to articles written by people that are living in fornication, that are living in, and I'm, not, and I'm not doing anything specific about them. You can call it whatever you want, whatever magazine it is, whatever internet article we read. But I know people that put more stock in what the columnist has to say than what the scriptures have to say. And that's not right. Why look to these things? Raise your hand if you're a believer. Raise your hand if you're in a Christian marriage. Then I have news for you. There's a place that we're supposed to look you understand that God's the one that made it. He's got the blueprints for marriage. If I wanna know something about a particular thing, who's gonna know it best is the one that designed it, built it, and manifested it. None of those people there designed it, built it, and manifested. All three of those entities have done a really good job of perverting it, tainting it, and now casting vain imaginations into large companies of people that are never fully satisfied in their marriage because it doesn't line up with what one of those three entities say. It's a lie. I was counseling with a guy one time. Cracks me up. I'll never forget this. And I was talking to him. He, he was deceived on a particular issue. And I was talking to him about it. And he told me, looked me plain in the face and said, I don't believe I'm deceived. I said, why? He said, because if I was deceived, I would know it. <laughs> Did you hear that? Well, I'm not operating that way in, 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 in my marriage. I'm, I'm not doing those kinds of things. Here, I'm not deceived. If your reason is, is because if you were deceived, you were know it, you're already deceived, bless God. You've got to look. So here's the thing. Let's not look to Uncle Joe. Let's not look to Hollywood concern our marriages. Let's not look to what the columnist has to say or the different magazines have to say. Let's instead look to the scriptures. Like really just crazy idea, isn't it? The scriptures. Okay, so let's look and see what it says. Ephesians chapter five, verse 32. Everybody doing okay? Yes. All right, good. Ephesians 5, 32 tells us, Paul's writing here. He tells us that marriage is a mystery and it's a mystery that concerns Christ and the church. The reason why people are failing at unlocking the mystery of marriage is because they're looking to everything but Jesus to understand it. Marriage is a great mystery that represents Christ and the church. Anybody been confused in their marriage before? That's just called relating to the opposite sex in general. It's confusing, all right? 
Jesus is the key that unlocks all of this. And we're about to read through this passage. This is Paul's final thought on the subject in Ephesians, his commentary on marriage, chapter five. But I wanna give you this thought up front so that we can read it through the lens of Christ and the church so that we can understand it. Because the parallels between the church's relationship with Christ is supposed to be the pattern for which we engage in our marriage relationship one to another. Everybody okay with that, all right? So every time we hear Christ, we're talking about the husband's role. Anytime we hear church, we're talking about the wife's role. Now I told you moms that my Mother's Day gift to you was to devote the majority of the teaching today at the guys. I'm still gonna do it, but it's ladies first, okay? So let's start here. Now you wanna talk about just causing an all out riot and have people throw stuff at you. Here's an experiment for you. Go onto any college campus today and just read this out loud. You, I know people that engage in like extreme sports, you know, base jump or whatever it might be. Just go read this. Okay, anyway, that's an extreme sport. Here you go, check this out. Now, ladies, you're gonna help me. All the wives are gonna help me. Everything in yellow, you're gonna say when I get to that point in time. Are you okay? Can you handle it? All right, all you're gonna do is say this. Now, guys, you calm down because when you hear this, you can say, yeah, Pastor Zach, that's right, submit, submit. I'm the man, bless God. You wait, buddy. You're gonna have your big boy pants on because I'm bringing the heat when it's your turn. You better wait. You're gonna love it, ladies. It's gonna be good for you. You're gonna love this Mother's Day gift. All right. So wives, when we get to submit, you're gonna say it, okay? All right. Are you okay? It's against my religion to say it. Well, you better find another religion besides Christianity, all right? Wives. Good job, ladies. You're awesome. To your own husbands, as to the Lord. Keep this in mind. It might be a hint later. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church to Christ, so also wives should in everything to their husbands. Men, calm down. I know this is exciting, all right? Keep going. Guys, remember match game? Fill in the blank. Blank, all right. It's like, how does he know about match game? I watch a lot of TV land with my grandma growing up, growing up, okay? So submit blank to your husband. The hint is we're asking the question, what as wives are you supposed to be submitting to your husband? The hint is, let's go back at the screen, please. As to the Lord, I told you to be a hint. So our understanding of what we're supposed to be submitting to and how we're supposed to submit, wives, I'm talking to you, how you're supposed to submit to your husband is based upon the way you submit to the Lord. And I would like to propose today, it's what you submit to the Lord. Everybody all right? Okay, so let's go ahead and fill in the blank here. There's three things, three things that we need to submit to your husband. You need to submit to your husband. Now, the left side of the equal sign here, all right, is everything in the context of our relationship with Christ. This even applies to us as men. Men, you understand that we're in a marriage relationship to the Lord as well, and in that capacity, he's the head of the relationships. Everybody okay? All right, so what do we give Jesus in our marriage relationship to him? We give him honor. Is everybody okay with that? Jesus is due honor. We give him praise. Is everybody okay with that? We give ourselves to the Lord. The scriptures tell us even in 1 Corinthians chapter seven that our bodies don't belong to us, that we're supposed to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And 1 Corinthians chapter six says that the wife's body belongs to the husband and the husband's body belongs to the wife. All right, in the natural relationship. Remember, it's a great mystery though. So at the right side of the equal sign, we're looking at the things 
And there's a lot of things that I could put here, but I'm kind of an expert about men because I am one. So I've, I've, I've distilled this down to three things that connect to what we give the Lord, three things that men crave in a relationship. Is everybody okay? I know one of these is making you nervous. It's gonna be okay, all right? Nobody get nervous. Everybody stay calm. You understand that one of Pastor Dwayne's anchors points on that spider web was sex and romance. You saw that, right? Okay, what I'm gonna say is tame compared to him, all right? Very, very tame, all right? Respect. Men, do you crave respect in your marriage? Amen. Come on. <laughs> Revival broke out over here. Somebody just fell out in the Holy Spirit right in the aisle over there. Get them up. Get them up. Respect. Men crave respect. We just do. I don't know why. We just do. Okay? Men, do you crave support and encouragement from your spouse? There it is again. There's nothing that makes a man feel better than to hear their wife say, you're gonna do great. I believe in you. You're awesome. Men love that. They love that. And if you wanna find out the quickest way to encourage him, just give him this. Tame, so tame, so tame. You just wait till pastor shares on this. This is so tame, all right? This is like vanilla, what I'm giving you today, okay? Your body, let me tell you something. For man, this is an important part of the relationship. Now notice that I told you in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, well, I don't remember which one it is. I put them both up there. But one of them talks about, one of these chapters, Jesus never quoted chapter and verse. He just said it's written. That's why I do that. I just want to be like Jesus. It's written. That's what I usually say. You got a lot out of me for me to even put this up here. Most of the time I don't. Most of the time I don't preach with this TV. This is for you, not me. Amen? So your body, your wife, your body belongs to your husband, and husband, your body belongs to her. There's a mutual sharing, all right? Mutual sharing. These are important things, very important things, all right? Let's go on to the next thing. Okay, guys, are you ready? All right, you owe me. All right, you owe me. So you guys are gonna work with me now. All right, I wanna do this. Well, no, I don't. I wanna do this. Okay, Ephesians 5, 25 through 30. Now we're gonna read the husband's portion. Husbands, help me out. When the yellow word comes, you're gonna say it, okay? All right, husbands. Ooh, I love it. Your wives as Christ the church and gave himself up for her. Notice, wives submit, husbands are required to die. and gave himself up for, it's actually, it's funny, but it's true. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Everybody say word. So that he might present the church to himself with himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should, their wives as their own bodies. He who his wife, I've left this out, but go ahead. Himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Men, listen to me. You are supposed to lead in love. Notice that on the wives description there in Ephesians, it didn't say anything about wives loving their husbands, did it? 
doesn't mean that you're not supposed to, but let me tell you this. The level of love that's being reciprocated from your spouse is dependent on the measure of love you're depositing into her. Come on, ladies, where are you at? There it is. I'm saying all the hard stuff for you. I expect gifts when I get down off the stage today. I want your Mother's Day chocolate up at the front when I come down. Husbands should lead in love. Here's the thing about it. We gotta talk about love for a second. Everybody listen to me. Love is not a virus that you catch. It's not an emotion. Love is a choice. The standard of love, guys, that we're supposed to be leading in our marriages with is equal to the measure of love that Christ has for the church. How many of you know that Christ chose before the foundations of the world to love the church? And to be really honest with you, he chose to love the whole world because you know the church came out of the world. I know guys that are so hung up on, well, my wife nags me and she talks to her mom too much and she goes shopping too much and (laughs) How has Christ loved you, buddy? In spite of you, making choices to see the good. Husbands should lead in love. Now, what is this type of love that we talk about? Well, here's the thing about it. If this type of love that we talk about is equivalent to the same thing that sends you to the emergency room, a fall, people talk about that all the time. I fell in love. A fall is an accident, brother. If you do it once, it might happen again. I think you should stop falling in and out and just make a choice to be in, <laughs> to be in love, not fall into it. It's not, it's not a healthy relationship. It goes the same way on the females end. Well, I'm, I've fallen in and out of love. No, no, we're gonna make a choice. Now, why is the husband, why am I making a case? For the husband to lead in love, is it just because I feel that way and it's my opinion? No. First John chapter four, verse 19 tells us, emphasis and the additions are mine. We, the bride, this is talking about us as the church, everybody okay. We love because he, the husband, who is who? Christ first loved us. It's biblical. Husbands have to learn how to lead in love. I talk to husbands all the time. Well, I'm just not feeling loved. It's okay, when's the last time she felt loved? That's the answer to that question. You don't feel loved probably because she hasn't felt loved in a really long time herself. Because God's the designer, we don't get to abort the design and try to figure out this other way. If that's the way he designed it for husbands to lead in love, then the woman feeling it, embracing it, knowing it is the only way you're gonna get it, buddy, period. It's the only way it's gonna work. See, as guys, we want the honor, we want the respect, and we want our body, but we're terrible at leading in love. If you want those things, guys, you're gonna have to figure out how to lead in love like Christ. Do you know, it becomes easy for a woman to submit those things when you actually look like Jesus. Not Uncle Joe. If you look like Uncle Joe, you're not gonna get honor. If you look like Uncle Joe, you're not gonna get respect. And if you look like Uncle Joe, you ain't touching her, buddy. (laughs) Period, period. So here's the thing about it, in understanding this this thing that we have in love and, and growing in love. Let's go to the next one. Here's what we have to understand and know, guys, that we're gonna get to this in a second. I talk to guys and I've helped people that guys that have fallen into adultery have had affairs. And there's always like this, the grass is greener on the other side of the road kind of a thing. 
And my encouragement to people is this. If the grass is greener on the other side of the road, you better start watering, watering your lawn. When the grass is green at my house, I don't need to look across the street. Well, she runs around and chops and blah, blah, blah. Uncle Joe, be quiet. Well, she doesn't respect me. Do you even respect yourself, dude? You look like Uncle Joe. Clean yourself up. All right. Got in the flesh there for a second. Here we go. Listen, husbands, if you want green grass, if you want the fruits of beauty and bliss and matrimony, you're going to have to learn how to water your yard. Period. And the word says it. Look at this. Husbands, love your wives. Guys, help me out when I get to the yellow. Don't give out on me now. Don't be weaklings, okay? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Listen, washing of water with the word. This is how you water your lawn. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Notice that Christ is presenting the church to himself. Notice that Christ is taking a proactive role in depositing things into the bride that he wants to receive. This does not happen by osmosis. A man carries the seed in the natural and deposits it into a female in order for them to conceive and produce children. What makes you think in the spirit and in the soul realm it's any different? Men carry seed and there's fertile ground in the woman that respond, that responds, next slide, whenever you make a decision to sanctify, declare her as holy. I know guys that are in marriages and the farthest thought from their mind is if their wife is holy or not. You have to make a decision to see her. Here's the thing, let me talk to you about honor for a second. Guys, if you want honor, you have to sow honor. You want respect, you have to sow respect. Honor is being able to love and value who somebody is without stumbling over who they're not. I know guys all the time, well, if she just give me more credit, I know I've got a few shortcomings. How much credit do you give her? I know guys that are ready to lead the relationship. We're not gonna spend that money and you're, not, you're only gonna stay this long at your mom's house and you're only gonna talk to this person on Tuesday and dinner's gonna be ready at 5.30 and they're ready to lead and be strong. But then you talk about actually loving like Christ loves and where are these strong men at? Nowhere to be found. Listen, most guys that I talk to that are struggling in their marriage, when they say, well, I tell her to do this and she doesn't submit and I do this and I do this. Listen to me, men, that's called control, not covenant. You don't get control in a marriage, you get covenant, which is a mutual submission based in Christ's love to be with each other no matter what. You would like her to take your advice? Take hers sometime. You're gonna make me come down there and preach at you. We sanctify, you have to have this mental ascension in your mind to see your wife as a good thing, to see her as a blessing, not a burden. If you view her as a burden, you're gonna treat her like a burden. The word, think about this. Why, why not, the word, when we wash into the water of the word that we just read in Ephesians, that word in the Greek is the word rhema. And the word rhema actually means the preceding word. It means the spoken word. Guys, 
You can't just say, if your wife asks, do you love me? This can never be your response. I'm here, ain't I? (laughs) If I didn't love you, I wouldn't be here. That's Uncle Joe. You gotta die to Uncle Joe and you gotta be alive to Christ. Let me tell you what the most beautiful thing in the world would be. That your wife knows she's love before you ever say, I love you. The verbiage should be the reinforcement of the already present action. If it takes somebody telling you that they love you 50 times and she's crying and she wants to leave, but you have to stop at the door every time, baby, I love you, baby, I love you, baby, I love you. It's too late. The word doesn't replace the action. I've got to sow action. Listen, to sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, to present to himself a bride spotless, without any blemish or wrinkle. Does that sound like work to you? Does that sound like proactive engagement? You better believe it. Ask yourself the question, is it work? The amount of work that Jesus does in you and through your life? Do you classify that as work? Absolutely. Listen to me. I know how messed up I am. Okay? Or do you have an awareness that you're messed up in areas too? Would you classify what Jesus has to do to make you better work on his part? Absolutely. So it is going to require work on your part to cultivate the right thing in your wife. Once again, you want green grass? Water your lawn. And the way we do this is by calling out the best in her. Calling out who she is. What does Jesus do for you, church? We sang the song today. I am who you say I am. We sing that and we get joyful about that because Jesus doesn't dump a bunch of negativity on us. Jesus doesn't hold us under the microscope. Jesus respects us. He co-labors with us. He serves us. Guys, do not smack your wife on the rear and tell her to go get you a sandwich. (laughs) You better get in the kitchen and make sandwiches together because if you don't make sandwiches together, you ain't gonna be making love together either. You better listen to me. (laughs) My wife and I started cooking together now. It wasn't that she was cooking before or I was cooking before. We both just never cooked. (laughs) We like to go out to eat. Anybody else got a problem? All right. But we started cooking together and we love it. Call out the best in her. Serve her. Novel thoughts. I know. Let's go to the next one. Guys, if you want honor, praise, and her body... submitted to you, then you better learn to lead and love like Christ. Next one here. Amen. Give glory to God. All right. Guys, go ahead. Take a deep breath. Everybody still okay? I'm still your friend. All right. I just love you too much to not tell you the truth. Okay. I'm talking to husbands and wives here. Praise God. I got 45 minutes left. This is great. Making the decision To love your spouse the way Christ loves you will cause your marriage to thrive. This is the truest thing that I could tell anybody concerning marriage. When you make the choice, the choice, not the accidental fall or the feeling, but when you make a choice to reciprocate the kind of love to your spouse that Christ has given to you, let me tell you something, nothing or no one will be able to stand against your marriage. 
Paul tells us that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God. If we have access to that same kind of love and can learn to manifest it to our spouse, do you know it'll cover the multitude of sin? Do you know it'll cover the pet peeves that we have about the other person? Do you know it'll allow us to see who they really are, not stumble over who they're not? Do you know it'll, it'll automatically drive even the very thought of divorce out of our marriages? Because Jesus doesn't give up on us. Now let me qualify, because I know people that have been in terribly abusive relationships, right? They've, they, 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 they might be sitting here today and you are divorced and the condemnation can creep in because I said, Christ doesn't give up on you. Let me tell you something. Everything I'm talking about today is in the context of two believers that want their marriage to grow. It takes want to. If you were in a situation where you wanted to and the other person did it and there's a fork in the road, there's no condemnation on you at all today. I believe that God's got better for you. I believe there's a new day coming. Abuse, all those different kinds of things. Don't let the enemy twist what I'm telling you. Don't let condemnation creep in. I've counseled with people literally for hours Two and three hours. I don't go long just on Wednesday nights when I preach. I go long in counseling all the time, all right? It's because I just like to talk. I can't help it. I got a lot to say. But I've talked to people two and three hours, and at the end of the conversation, they'll look at me regarding their marriage, regarding their lives, and they'll look at me and they'll say, everything you're telling me is right. I just don't want to do it. That's pride, church, and God resists the proud. What am I going to do to help? He gives grace to the humble. This is two, everything I'm saying is in the context of two believers. That's why I started off with, how many of you are believers? How many of you are married? It's two believers that are wanting to see their marriage grow and be successful and prosper. This is the way that you do it. Is everybody good with that? All right, amen. Let's go to the next one here. The single greatest thing you can do to strengthen your marriage is to take your relationship with Christ seriously. Everybody say seriously. If you're a believer in a Christian marriage today and you want that thing to grow strong, then individually, as husband and wife, on individual terms, you're going to have to learn how to strengthen and deepen your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a reason why, church, Jesus, right, God requires all of your life and all of your love. I used to struggle with that, okay? I'm not gonna lie to you. Teenager, I hear about God wanting all my life, wanting all my love. My first thought is, don't you have enough already? You're God. I've heard the thing, you own like 10,000 cattle on 10,000 hill or whatever it says. What do you need me for? You got access to, it's all yours anyway. What do you need me for? Can I give you 50% and me keep 50%? All your love, I used to be confused by that. Is God like emotionally insecure? I need all your love, did you give it to me? Who else did you talk to today? I need your love, I need your love, I need your love, I need your love. That kind of freaked me out. I didn't want to have anything to do with that per se. I wanted, I wanted the eternal life insurance. I just, I just didn't know what that meant to actually give my life to God. Let me tell you something. You'll always be suspicious of what he says until you see his heart. We do it with people all the time. You ever had lunch with somebody, somebody you didn't really know about or didn't know if you liked, and then you had lunch with them by the end of that conversation, you're like, man, I was totally wrong about them. Welcome to what the world needs to experience in regards to God. And you as the church have the ability to set up a lunch appointment if you want to. For them to experience who God really is and not be suspicious of the things he says. So I did what I should have done a long time ago. One day I just decided to pray about it. I said, Lord, I just don't understand. Help me understand about giving you my life and my love. I mean, what's that about? And the Lord spoke to Mart. He said, the reason I ask for it, Zach, is because I'm the only one that knows how valuable it is. And I said, what? 
And I felt him speak to me clear as day. This is what he told me, changed my life forever. He said, I require all your life and all your love because something that valuable is truly only safe with me. He said, I change not. And I saw any other relationship that you're in, I see people give all their life and all their love and everything they've got to their kids and the kids leave, they marry, they start their own life and they totally fall apart. I've seen people give all their love, all their life to their spouse. Their spouse has an affair, their spouse passes away, whatever it might be. Listen to me, I know there's hurting people in the house today. I know Mother's Day isn't a happy day for everybody. I know there's people that miss their mom today because of an estranged relationship or because mom's no longer here where we can see her anymore. I know that there's pain. Anytime people come together, there's probably gonna be a level of pain. But here's the thing I need to encourage you with and I need you to understand is that people are subject to change and variance. God is not. God does not will for your life to end in collapse should a loved one of yours die. God does not will for you to hide, to lock yourself in your room for months at a time and get addicted to alcohol because you lost your job. God does not will for you to totally stop living life and being a blessing because one of your kids went astray. Are you hearing me? God's got to have all of it because here's the beautiful thing about it. Luke chapter six tells us, Jesus says that the measure that you give will be the measure that comes back to you. Press down, shaking together and running over. Church, listen to me. You can't outgive God. If I give God all my life and all my love, do you understand that I now have eternal abundance to share with others? In the context of your marriage, a happy marriage is where both parties are receiving because both parties are giving. But you can only give what you have. I know people time and time again that make their spouse their source. I talked to a guy post-divorce, tears in his eyes, breaking down, crying. And by the time I got done ministering to him, he looked up at me and he said these words. You mean I was never supposed to get married to be happy? I told you the church is a lot of time afraid to speak about the truth of love, marriage, sexuality, and the world has stepped in and spoke to these people. You mean it wasn't supposed to look like Hollywood? You mean I wasn't supposed to listen to Uncle Joe? You mean Cosmo didn't have the right answer? No, it didn't. Because marriage was not designed by any of those things. It was designed by God Almighty. And it takes relationship with his son and giving our, all of our life to him so that now we have something of quality to give to our spouses. If you make your spouse your source of joy, contentment, peace, love, that's like being in the desert for multiple days and just be given one bottle of water. How many of you know it'll last a little bit, but you're gonna be thirsty pretty quick. If I'm in the desert for multiple days and I'm thirsty, I want my mouth glued to the faucet. Anybody else? That's called being connected to Jesus. When I have a constant source of love, peace, blessing, I don't need you to give it to me. My job now becomes sharing out of the overflow. But here's the thing, God knows it feels good to get, so he teaches you to give because in giving you get it back. In, 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 in biology, in biological terms, I, I know people whose marriages exist in what we would call a parasitic relationship. 
I know parasitic relationships, not just in marriages, in friendships, in coworkers, in boss and employer. A parasitic relationship is one in which one host or one party benefits at the, at the demise of a host. Talk about toxic relationships. Toxic relationships is whenever a person makes another person their source. Let me tell you the quickest way to ruin your marriage. Make your spouse responsible for a job that only God can do. The fastest way to end a marriage is to make your spouse responsible for a job that only God can do. Both people connected to Christ, two people born a man and born a woman in marriage. I'm gonna say it again, two people born a man and born a woman born a man and born a woman. I know there's a lot of debate in the culture today on what constitutes a marriage, but let me tell you this, the government doesn't define marriage. Let me tell you who defines marriage, the one that designed it, the one that made the first man and the first woman out of the mud of the earth and put specific parts and certain DNA and certain biology and brought them together. And now at every marriage ceremony, we quote the exchange of that time. So shall a man be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Born a man, born a woman. End of story, end of debate. That's marriage, all right? In that place, both of them now, connected to Christ, yoked to God, manifest for each other the things required to see that marriage sustained and go the distance. Take away simple, very simple. Two people plus Christ-centeredness will equal a strong marriage. Did you get anything from God today? Praise the Lord.